see that? It says affluence. Affluence or affluent. If you're new with us, we've been looking through the lens of faith, hope, and love, and the greatest being love. And the greatest is love because God is love. And so when we flow from love, we flow through faith, and because we can see, we have hope. And our hope is not in this earth, our hope is not in the temporal, but our hope is in him and everything contained in him. And because our hope is in him, we are affluent people. We carry affluence or abundance within us because Christ is affluent and God is the abundant God. He's resourceful. He never knows lack and he only lives from this position of full. He's never the half empty God. (laughs) We might live half empty. We might look at the glass and, oh, that's half empty. It's half full. But God never does. God only sees an overflowing cup. He says that you can be pressed on every side but not broken. You can go through trials and tribulations and overcome them. Why? Because I live in you and I'm affluent. And so we've been looking at giving and specifically in the area of giving finances through faith, hope, and love. And uh, we're just doing this for this month. We've hardly ever spoken on giving here, but the Father spoke to me while I was in Cambodia and said, I want you to speak about giving and giving money. We give time, we give energy, we give resource, we lay our lives down, but I said, I want you to speak about the giving of money because it's an area that holds many followers back. And once we realize just how affluent we are, that Christ in us makes us affluent, we're not in ourselves, but in him and he is in us, then giving becomes easy. There's a releasing because I realize that my father is the affluent one and I can trust my life into the hands of my father. You see, giving is a trust issue. It really is. It's a trust issue. And then it's an obedient issue because he tests you to see whether you trust in who he says he is. And then he looks and says, I wonder if you'll be obedient. I don't want to be a disobedient child, do you? Life wasn't too good in my home when I disobeyed. My parents still loved me, but Access to things got limited because of my disobedience. And they loved me and disciplined me that I would be an obedient child for my sake first. And that's what we're trying to do with our kids, to put discipline now so you can receive in the future. Now and in the future. You know, it's when you're 12 years old, you think, oh, life just, money just comes on trees, doesn't it? Money just turns up at the next tree and everything just provides itself, doesn't it? You know, there's no concept of work. There's no concept of where the money comes from. It just turns up, doesn't it? So why can't we have more? And so God wants to teach us and he's saying, guys, you are so affluent. Now, you may not believe that and you may not feel that, but you are. 
You see, the challenge for us is that we don't live on our feelings and we don't live on what we believe, but we live on what he says is true. That's the marker, what he says is true. Not what I say, what I think, what I believe, unless my thinking is renewed and unless my belief system aligns to God's, I don't want to live on what I think or what I believe or what I feel. I want to live what he says is true. So if God says I'm affluent, I am. Now, I may have to come into the revelation of that, So I've got to come to the revelation of who I already am in Christ. The challenge is whether you're going to believe what I just said. Because if you never believe it, then you're in unbelief. And unbelief keeps you out of everything God has for you, doesn't it? Now, God still loves us in our unbelief, but unfortunately, it's going to keep us out of a reality that's for us. Because Colossians 2, 9, which will be above me just says that. It says the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. So for in Christ, all the fullness of God dwells in bodily form. He came representing the Father. He said, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. To which we know Philip said, show us the Father because he wasn't hearing. And because he wasn't hearing, he didn't have faith, which means he couldn't see what was right in front of him. But Jesus was telling the truth, wasn't he? And so Jesus is right in front of him. He says, guys, in me, the fullness of God dwells in bodily form. Next version. Roll on. This is pretty cool. Okay, that must be verse 10. I didn't give it. Let me read verse 10. Because it talks about that Christ lives in us. Ah, sorry, verse 10. And in him you have been made complete. Okay? And in Christ you have been made complete. There's an absolute statement. God is the God of absolute statements. He always makes these absolute statements. He says, this is, from my perspective, how it is. So in Christ... The fullness of deity of God, of God lived, and in him you have been made complete. This is the revelation that the church needs to come into to realize who she is in Christ. So then we can live from a complete place, yes? An affluent place, not a lacking place. You see, there are two ways that this goes with your affluence, you will either influence others. So you're either going to influence others with your affluence or you're going to insulate yourself. This one releases. This one protects. And you have to ask yourself, which one do you live your life mainly from? Because you are affluent. You see, the young boy knew how affluent he was in Christ, and he knew how affluent Jesus was. So he didn't protect himself or insulate himself with his fish and bread. He gave it, didn't he? What he had in his hand, he gave 
What you have in your hand, you are to give. Because God is the giver of that seed. And he steps back and he watches and he looks like he did with the woman in the temple. And he stood back and he watched what they did with what was in their hands. He's very interested in what you're doing with what he's put of him in your hands. What for? For the purpose of your freedom and your release. That you would come into the fullness of life in Christ. That you would realize just how affluent you are. Because sometimes we have to take a step of trust and obedience for us to come into the reality that already is. It's like catch up. It's like you are it, but you don't know you are it. So when the trust factor in stepping out, you realize because it through the revelation comes. And you get to experience through your giving that actually God does provide. God is your shelter. God is your protection. He is the things he says he is. But while you were back here, you didn't know that. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to insulate and protect yourself. It's called being an orphan. An orphan spirit. You see, I have been to many homes in Cambodia. And the thing I love about the homes that I saw, I didn't see any orphans there. These children did not have parents, but there were no orphans there because they knew their father. These kids are five, six, seven, and they did not do that. And they had every right to do that because they had massive loss in their lives, but they did this. And everyone that went to Kimbaida will tell you when you go to the homes, you don't feel that, all you get is that. They're about serving you. You think you've come to serve them, and they serve you. You go, this isn't right. We need to flip this around. They go, no, no, we're just going to love on you, love on you, love on you. Why? Because they knew whose they are. And then you realize how affluent they are. They don't think twice. They just live from the reality that's in them. This isn't a conscious thing. You may have to start by putting it on, but ultimately this posture is a state of being. And it just flows from you innately, unconsciously. You're just generous. It's not like you're trying to be, you just are. It's like breathing. You don't try to breathe, you just breathe. Why? Because it's become part of your nature. And the challenge for the church is that we worship a God who is affluent. We worship a God who is so large that he's creating still. That The Bible says that the signs and the stars, the heavens are the glory of his hands and he's a builder of people who wants to build with his hands the church he used to build wooden things he then transitioned at 30 and said now I'm going to build people so if I'm going to build galaxies and stars and they're going to be the work of my hands we just sung about it you're so beautiful the the glory of the moon radiates you guess what he wants to see in the church he wants to see a glorious bride he wants to see a church that's affluent. Why? Firstly, for to bring the glory of God to the earth, that we would glorify the Father. Secondly, that you and I would have this affluent life within us. And thirdly, that everyone that doesn't know him would come to know him. There'd be such a love and a power in God's people that a world would stand up and take notice. We wouldn't have to try and placard and, and stand up for what we believe. They'd be so captivated by what they saw They'd come running because everyone's looking for love. You see, this is the challenge and the opportunity the church has to be the vehicle, the vessel that doesn't jump up and down, but actually just is. 
And so the gap needs to close. Because I see more jumping up and down on placards than I do see a reality of it in the church that people are running to because we're so one because of the Christ we know and because the fullness of the Christ is, was in, sorry, the fullness of God was in Christ and Christ lives in me, which is the hope of glory, then there's this lifestyle which is just affluent. You see, the boy and the widow were not worried about tomorrow. <clears throat> Man, we're worrying about next year. The Bible says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Let's focus on today and let's enter into today so you never have to worry about tomorrow or next year or in 10 years' time because I'll map everything out and you'll enter into a realm where you become so affluent and you enter into this reality that everything flows. You can't get any more right than what you are right now if you have received him in Christ. I'm not ashamed of who I was because I'm not ashamed of the gospel because the gospel has made it all new. I did some stuff. I did some things. I'm not ashamed of those things because I'm not ashamed of the gospel because the gospel has renewed it all, changed me. The person I was, I hardly recognized. I'm so in love with this man called Jesus Christ and the affluence, and I share this from testimony that I'm experiencing today in me, is overwhelmingly powerful that it makes you weep. The freedom and the power that's able to withstand and put into things and then continue just to love on is incredible, and we can all know it because it is for all. So the questions I want to ask us is this full position, is this our reality? Do we live our lives knowing God is overwhelmingly affluent and because he is in us and we are his, he makes us overwhelmingly affluent? The context to which we've given this whole giving thing is family. And this is really important that we capture this because we're a family. And family look after one another. Family cover each other. When people are hurting, family gather around them. When people are having success, people gather around them. When one hurts, we all hurt. When one wins, we all win. That's what the Bible says. We're to experience this. It's not just to be words that sit in a book. It's to be the reality of the church. You see, we can't live as strangers if we truly want to be this. And I'm not saying you have to know every single person that's part of the rock, but what you do need to know is him because that will give you a love for everyone at the rock. It's not that you have to run around, oh, no, Greg's saying I've got to get to know everybody. No, I'm not saying that. You may only even know four or five people here, but you can have a love in you for everybody because you're affluent because Christ is in you. And so you're making decisions based on your love in you, your affluence, and that's going to influence people because you love them. So you're going to able to make decisions. You're able to be found in places uh, where you're laying your life down for others. And you don't even know those people you're laying your life down for because you're affluent. You don't protect yourself 
with who is in you, you give him away. So in this area of giving of finances, man, if there's anyone to be in freedom, it's the church, where we just have our hands open wide and God takes and gives and we become this releasing agent. It's like the hose that plugs into the the water tap that the garden needs and it becomes the conduit for which the water goes through for the garden to receive life. That's us. We're to be like the hose that's connected to the Father and it just flow, Father flows through us and everything of the Father into here one another firstly, God first, then one another, then a lost world. So a lost world sees a family that are the very thing the Bible speaks of. When they look at the church, they see God. A family with a father, brothers and sisters that love each other as Christ loves them. Lay their lives down. We're generous. There is no need here. Why? Because everyone's partaking of being in the family. And in the natural, we understand this, don't we? We really understand this really well in the natural because it's the natural. But the things of the Spirit, we don't necessarily understand well. And so we live in the natural rather than the Spirit. And we're more committed to our natural than we are the spiritual. Because that's normal. That's natural. That's not affluent. See, this is spirit. See, the spirit affluent lives very different to the natural. And I'm not saying you don't love your natural family. You love them with the love of Christ, but your priorities shift. And you don't leave them behind, but your whole priority, your life shifts. You become like Christ. And so there are things that you give because you're in the spiritual family, you're a spiritual priesthood, you're a living stone, you're doing the will of God. And because of that, the reality is this affluent nature starts to be formed and built and you realize this is who I am in Christ. I'm a new creation. I'm not a modified one. I'm a new creation in Christ. And there is no lack in God. There is no lack, is there? And I love that young boy. I don't know how old he was. Eight, ten. What he had in his hand, he gave. He didn't see the need and protect himself. The woman didn't see the need and protect herself. Man, two small coins, all she had. All she had to live on. Bible says she gave all. So I want to just read some scriptures. 2 Corinthians 8. And you can just hear the heart of the people here that's coming through that Paul writes about. It's incredible. It says this in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 1. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. Now, we just prayed before about putting your hands out and receiving more of him. You see, everything that happens in the kingdom happens through grace. God graces for a purpose of release. So these people in Macedonia, there was a gracing. I'm not just talking about a covering. I'm talking about an empowerment. There's an empowerment God puts in. He imparts himself into a church, into a person, 
into a people group. What for? For the ability to live the way God intends. This is why we need to know the power of God intimately. We need to receive the power, be receiving the power, and live from the power of God, not your own strength. Because you'll never be affluent if you try and live in your own strength. And just because you give doesn't make you affluent. Okay? So you have to realize that you can give for a whole lot of reasons, but not affluence. You can just give it because you feel guilty. You can feel because you should, because it's what Christians do, or you're law-abiding. So just because you give money doesn't make you have an affluence. You'll know when people ask for more than what you're prepared to give how affluent you actually are. Yeah, no, no, I signed that off. Don't touch that. No, I want all. And there's a bit of a realigning. It's like, oh, gee, I thought I was pretty good there. Compared to that person that I know doesn't give, I'm doing all right. But compared to Christ, ooh, a little bit short. (laughs) Just a little bit. But that's okay. Because he says, come on, let's grow. So here's this grace and poured out. The words in this are unbelievable. That in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. That in a great ordeal of affliction, so they're under pressure, their abundance of joy. See, hear this affluence which is within these people? And their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their freedom. For I testify, verse 3, that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us (laughs) with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. And this, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. That's really important. They gave themselves first to God. That's how you become affluent. You give yourself first to Him. But I already have. Then give yourself again. Give yourself again, again, until you've got none left to give of you. Because it's the all reality, isn't it? Begging. I've never had anyone come to me and beg me to give. Or beg me, can I give? Please, please let me give. I want to give. Can I please give? I'm begging you. Can I, can I, can I give to, to participate in the building of the kingdom? Please. What a joy that would be. Normally it's the opposite. It's like, man, it's... You see, these people, because they'd given themselves to God, they had a joy within them, even though they didn't have that much. And what they had, they were going to give, and beyond. See, they were a people of trust. They were a people of faith. They were a people anchored in Christ. They were affluent, even though they didn't have that much. This isn't about how much you've got. It's about the nature within you. 
the lady, the widow, didn't have a lot externally going on, but what she had internally was massive. Powerful, eh? Uh, 2 Corinthians 9. Yeah, Nick likes it. <laughs> 10. 2 Corinthians 9, 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of the service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgiving to God. Because of the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ, and for the liberality of your contribution to them to them and to all, while they also by prayer on your behalf yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Who supplied the seed for the young boy? God. Who supplies the finances? God. Who supplies everything? God. So every gift you have that makes and has the ability to create comes from God. So God gives the seed to be sown. And he continue wants to give seed to be sown to see his kingdom built, not my empire. Yeah, but God, you don't understand. I need this for this. Really? I don't understand. You don't understand... I know you understand all those guys, but you don't understand my issue. Really? Yeah. Okay. You see, he gives it to be sown. He doesn't give it that we would insulate ourselves. Because his heart is to see a transformed world. His heart is to see lives changed and transformed. His heart is to serve. His heart is to give freely freely without any expectations he gives why? because he's affluent you see we cannot be people who give expecting to get as our primary purpose God will provide but if you go into it going okay I've got to be affluent so I can get don't even go there because he'll see the heart posture. But God gives, and he doesn't know whether he's going to get anything in return, because he is affluent and he is love, and that's not why he gives. He gives because he is God. He gives because he is love. He gives because he is great. He gives because that's his nature, because he's affluent. And then he hopes all things, believes all things, endures all things, and bears all things that what is given, the seed, will produce life. That's how we are to give. That's to be our heart, our nature. What does the Bible say? Give cheerfully, not grudgingly. Oh, you know, like, 
asking for more money again. We don't really ask for that much compared to other places. (laughs) Why? Because we trust. Let's be influencers that see his his resource released through us. Let's go to Exodus. This is real cool. And this is another picture of affluence. Exodus 35, 5. Exodus 35. So just keep your finger there because we're going to jump just across the page. Exodus 35, 5. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord, whoever is of a willing heart. Let him bring it as the Lord's contribution. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. So what we give is his, and we bring it for him. Whoever is of a willing heart. So God's always interested in the heart because he doesn't need your money. He's looking for your heart. He wants this greater connection. He doesn't want us to just live through principles. He wants us to come into personhood. He wants us to come into life. He doesn't want to just, oh yeah, I live by the principle. No, I live by the person. I don't just live by words. I live from the word. Bible says that he gives us his precious promises that we would partake of what? His divine nature. Not even his character. Me and Paul have this discussion all the time. He thinks it's the same thing. I go, no, I go, that's a nature and character. His nature is love. His character is holy. And we have this wrestle. It's good. But see, divine nature. (laughs) He's gentle. He's kind. He's love. The nature of God. So he's interested in your heart. Let him bring it as the Lord's contribution. God has given it. It's the Lord's. So bring the Lord's contribution. Not yours. It's a pretty good deal, isn't it? It's an all deal, but it's a great deal. The weight, there's more. Let's go to 20. Exodus 35, 20. Now, uh, then all the congregation of the sons of Israel departed from Moses' presence. Everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him came and brought the Lord's contribution for the work of the tent of meeting and for all its service and for all its garments. Then all whose hearts moved them, both men and women, came and brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and bracelets, all articles of gold, So did every man who presented an offering of gold to the Lord. Every man who had in his possession blue and purple and scarlet material and fine linen and goats hair and ram skins, dyed red and purple skins, brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of silver and bronze brought the Lord's contribution. And every man who had in his possession acacia wood for any work of the service brought it. All the skilled women spun with their hands and brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet material and in fine linen. All the women whose hearts stirred with a skill spun the goats here. The rulers brought the onk stones and the stones for setting for the ephod and for the breastpiece. 
and the spice and the oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant scents. The Israelites, all the men and women whose heart moved them to bring material for all the work which the Lord had commanded through Moses to be done, brought a free will offering to the Lord. Now the point in all this is not to start getting all like, oh, is this a tithe, is this the offering, is this is this, and this is the it's the heart that's given under the new covenant which is the covenant fulfilled it's just the scriptures God wants all of us so this isn't about oh this percent or that percent he just wants your heart he knows if you have your heart you'll be affluent once you become affluent and walk in the spirit and the spirit just walks with you and starts to share with you where he wants releasing and because we're a family and family take care of each other the natural Outwork is, I'm part of a family. So I give because I'm part of a family. I want to see my family grow. I don't want to see my brother go without. I don't want to see my sister go without. I don't want to, I want to be an influencer and my Chris's giving might help me out. Sam's giving might help me out at a particular time and vice versa. And so hear the spirit behind this. And then you go to uh, Exodus 36, to verse 2. Then Moses called Bezalel and Oholiab, a very skillful person in whom the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him to come to the work to perform it. They received from Moses all the contributions which the sons of Israel had brought to perform the work in the construction of the sanctuary. And they still continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning. And all the skillful men who were performing all the work of the sanctuary came each from the work which he was performing. And they said to Moses, the people are bringing much more than enough for the construction work which the Lord commanded us to perform. So Moses issued a command and a proclamation was circulated throughout the camp saying, let no man or woman any longer perform work for the contributions of the sanctuary. Thus the people were restrained from bringing any more. For the material they had was sufficient and more than enough for all the work to perform. See, this is a powerful posture of the Spirit that is manifesting itself in a physical reality. See, too often we try to copy that through the physical and the heart never changes. And God wants the heart changed as his primary thing because he knows that the heart changes, affluence just becomes an innate response. So the challenge is how do we become who we already are? <laughs> what? How do you become who and what you already are? The first thing you need to realize is you are already it. <laughs> so I pray that you'll get a revelation of just how affluent you are. So you'll no longer maybe insulate yourself and protect yourself and live with an orphan spirit. Because those people that always like, it's always calculated. And I'm not saying be crazy. I'm saying use wisdom, but you always calculate. Everything's calculated, isn't it? It's like, right, let's work this all out. Nah, we don't have enough. You're never going to have 
enough. Even when you have more, you'll never have enough. Because it's not about having enough. You've got to live this life of tension where he's the one with the enough and I have to live on the edge. It's a beautiful place to live. <laughs> Trust me. It's scary and beautiful all at the same time. Because what you get to receive is gold. It's gold, man. And it's called life in you. Danny and I were talking, and she's got a message coming up. But, and I'm not going to nick your message, babe, but just this, <laughs> this, this, this vulnerability. God values our vulnerability. You know, it's like when you get out there, He's right there because he values the fact that you're right out there. Like, he honors humility because you're like right out on the limb. In every circumstance, even like now, you know, it's like to come out from your seat and to stand and kneel or do whatever and just stand in front of people and just express your love. See, you can't see what can happen in that moment because it's happening inside a person. But the person has come out from behind their protection barrier of where it's safe. And they walk out in front of everyone and, and they go, well, I'm meeting you out here, Lord, and I might look like a dick. I don't care because I know you're out of the boat. And this is where he's trying to pull us out of this to this. And so you have to know you already are affluent through revelation. The second thing is you need to seek first his kingdom. Once again, you can be a giver and not be affluent. You can be giving financially but not seeking first his kingdom. So let's just go to Matthew 6 as I wrap this. Matthew six thirty-one. Listen to these words. Do not worry, then saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. This is probably one of the greatest challenges to mankind because he's talking about the three most important essential aspects of living. Do you need food? Do you need water? And do you need clothing? Add shelter onto that. He's telling you, do you seek those things first before you seek me? Are you seeking the basic aspects of life that you need to keep your physical life going over me? 
See how serious this gets? He says, if you seek me, I will add food, water, clothing, shelter. But while you are seeking food, water, clothing, shelter, you are not seeking me. Why do we go to work to provide food, water, clothing, shelter? Is there anything wrong with work and providing those things? No. But where is your heart in those things? Is your heart a seeker of trying to control and keep your life together? Or are you a seeker of God who doesn't want to control and insulate themselves, they want to influence others with their life. See, God goes straight after the jugular. He goes straight after the core heart issue because he knows what binds us up. So he goes after it to bring life. So he says, Gentiles, you all seek them first. And I know you need them. Am I not the food? I am the bread of life, am I not? Am I not the water? Samaritan lady at the well. Am I not your clothing? Clothed in righteousness. And am I not your protection, your shelter? Am I not your all? So then why do you seek first the things that keep you from me? Because you're being kept away from that if you do that. Because the affluence is found in seeking first the king of the kingdom, not in food, clothing, water and shelter. And you know what? One day I'll get round to seeking you first, God. When Matthew came up to Jesus and the other disciple who were John's the Baptist disciples, Jesus looked at him straight away and said, what do you seek? It was the first question he asked Andrew, what do you seek? They just left John the Baptist. They come up. Jesus said, what do you seek? Why do you seek me? Why do you follow me? Why are you a follower of mine? Are you truly seeking first, first, first? Do you know there is no second? Do you know that? There is no third. That's what we do. We compartmentalize everything. He never does. He's the God of one. He says you only need God. We teach this, God, then your family, then your ministry, and everything else. God just says, where'd you get that stuff from? Where'd you get it from? It's called human wisdom. Do you know what it does? It robs the church from experiencing this. He says, it's just me. And if you're in me, you'll figure out how you do family, how you do work, how you do sport, how you go on holiday. You'll figure all that out and you'll have that 
and food, water, clothing, shelter. And because that's the inner and that's the external, you can do that. And you won't hold it for a rainy day to protect oneself. Because we're not slaves. We're not orphans. We're sons. Amen? So I pray you'll know that you're a son. And I pray you'll be a seeker of the son. And as you seek the son and his kingdom and his righteousness and the spirit reveals just who you are, I pray there'll be an activation in your spirit. And I also pray while that's happening, you'll step out and trust. Because all this is a trust issue. And go, I may not know that today, but I know you have spoken. And I am part of a family, so I'm going to step into that and activate the principle for the personhood to come. Because I want the personhood to come. I don't just want to be an activator of principles. I want to be a personhood person. The life in me revealed. Amen. All good? Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for everything you're doing. We thank you that we are affluent in you. We are abundant in you and you and us. And I pray you would continue to reveal this fullness of your resource in us called your son, Jesus, the personhood. And Lord, as we are coming to this reality and being perfected in it, I pray we would trust and step out and into obedience in you to see life come in us and through us as sons. We thank you for today. We thank you for what we're about to receive. We ask you to bless the food. Lord, this physical, tangible food that we do need, but not more than your food, your son, Jesus. So, Lord, just bring us to that place of one and understanding this and living from this place of affluence and abundance in you as your sons. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.